The Tea Health Show, medical lifestyle show. Good morning on this Wednesday morning. I'm Dr. Mark Opperman from the Tea Clinic. And um, in studio with me, I have Dr. Dave Cotton. Uh, sorry, Dave, it's actually Cotton. Uh, from the Snore Clinic in Rosebank. And my lovely and vivacious producer, Simpiwi. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Good morning to you. So, um, last week we spoke about sleep. And, Dave, you, you actually uh, taught us that it's sleep Disturbed breathing Anything that's got to do with Breathing during sleep and problems with that Is called sleep disturbed Breathing and um on that note, I'm just going to uh, do a little bit of a recap, but I'm going to give you um, a, a statistics. And everyone that's listened to the show know that I I like my statistics. And this, while we're talking about sleep disturbed uh, breathing, this was a disturbing uh uh, statistic that Dr. Dave just gave us and that is that um, in the Lancet Journal of Medicine in 2019 there was an article that, that, that was published that said that one billion people between the ages of 30 and 69, so it's the majority of adults, actually, if we think about it that way, has obstructive or some form of sleep apnea. And, um, Dave, that, that is frightening. Um, I, I do take that it's most probably an estimation because I don't think that many people had one, but it, it fits in with the fact that, um, Sleep and sleep disturbances is uh, classified as a public health problem. Um, so let's just quickly recap about what we did last week. Sleep is a biological necessity. We all know that. Without it, we cannot survive. It impacts health on so many levels. And the biggest ones for us is things like increased risk for cardiovascular disease and heart attack, hypertension, diabetes, obesity, sexual dysfunction, boys and girls, um, for the boys, impotence, not even erectile difficulty, plain impotence. So many of us battle with depression and anxiety. Sleep impacts not only our quality of life, but it has a, a phenomenally large role to play in safety. Let's just think, we're heading for uh, our Christmas holidays and our migrations to wherever. Um, and one of the biggest causes of car accidents is fatigue. It affects such a vast number of people. And Dave, again, that statistic that you gave us, 936 million adults, um, uh, you know, it, it's the majority of adults in the world have some form of sleep disturbance. Um, it affects children as well. 33% of, of young children have sleep disturbances. And this one, um, for me is the worst. And we're sitting with our, our learners, Writing exams right now, coming to the end of the exams. Our students at varsity uh, are doing exams, and it's 75% of these people that on a regular basis do not get enough or good quality of sleep. That's terrible. It's not only fat people, it's not only obese people that get sleep apnea. Thin people get it as well. It Often presents, and this is just if 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 this is you, if you can associate with this, maybe you have a problem. Maybe you're one of that one billion people. It presents with excessive daytime sleepiness. Um, it it presents with I wake up in the morning and I'm still tired. Patients with high blood pressure. If you have high blood pressure, if you're on antihypertensives, you know what? Are you sleeping well? Um, any kind of sexual dysfunction, low libido, um, difficulty in maintaining an erection. And for women, 
you know what? This counts exactly the same. It's also low libido, lower sex drive. Sleep can be a problem there. Patients with reflux, um, those are signs of, of um, sleep problems. It can be something as simple It's just a little bit of snoring. And Dave, this is what you taught us last week, that snoring in any form is abnormal. Um, And so many people say, yeah, I snore. But it has a role to play not only in their own breathing, but in the sleep of a person next to them. And I think a lot of us forget about this. Cognitive functioning and cognitive decline are some of the first signs that we see with sleep disturbances. And for those of you who have been following us for a while, you would also know that on every time I speak about cognitive decline, uh, you know what, I, I say that it's more often than not the first sign of Alzheimer's disease or dementia. Depression and anxiety is rife. It's all of us are going into an anxious state again. Uh, the fourth wave of COVID, if you don't know it, it's upon us. Um, there's also other diseases that's starting to poke through like, uh, H1N1 again um, Think about the amount of people around us That are battling with respiratory diseases Sore throats, coughing, sinus um, And you know what We are moving our, our normal flu seasons around um, What we need is to keep our immune systems healthy And the biggest way in that we can do this Is through proper sleep So Dave um, welcome back in studio with us today. Um, I want us to continue our discussion, but on our discussion today, I want us to focus more on, okay, I think I might have a sleep problem. How do I go about and formulize or formulize that, you know what, uh, put me in a box. This is where I am so that I can know what I'm doing. Um, where do we start with this? Good morning, Mark. Um, what you have to do if you are suspicious about that is to go to someone who knows about sleep and snoring. Because, as mentioned last week briefly, uh, there's an Epworth Sleep Scale questionnaire. Now, this is an international questionnaire and uh, five or six simple questions. And from that alone, one can tell whether the patient, if they answered correctly, and the doctor has to go through each question with the patient. So, to you know determine. what, I want, to, I want to stop you there because we spoke about this um, last week and we spoke about it last week off air. Um, and it's the sleep with Epworth. Epworth, okay, so see, um, um, brain fog's there, we don't laugh. So Epworth, E-P-P. No, E-P-W-O-R-T-H, Epworth Sleep Scale. So E-P-Worth. Yeah. Okay, Epworth Sleep Scale. Is this available online? Yes, it is available online. It's a questionnaire which you answer with numbers. So um, it will say to you, uh, in certain circumstances, will you fall asleep? Will you just doze? Uh, will you, doesn't affect you? And like the first questionnaire, there's, uh, if you're reading a book, what are I the chances sleep. of you falling asleep? I will. Now, I know, this is what I tell the patient. I, 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 I tell them exactly. Let's say you're sitting in the lounge, you're never lying in bed, ever, because that is automatic sleep. Okay. Yeah, that's what I do to sleep, yeah. and we'll talk about sleep hygiene later. So now what happens is that I say to the patient, right, it's 8 o'clock at night, and you've got, you, you do, you're busy with a contract at work, and you're sitting in the lounge or sitting at your desk or a table, whatever it is, and you have to finish this by a quarter past half past nine. They're ten pages. 
Can you read through that contract without dozing off or your eyes closing or losing concentration? And there you give an answer from zero to three. So if you're definitely going to fall asleep, it'll be three. And it'll go down if you just lose concentration. It'll be one or two, depending on what you answer. So therefore, I go through this questionnaire with them, each question, in, and you'd be surprised how people don't realize what they do. Well, you know, but this is where I want to to interject again. Um, you know, we start with this sleep questionnaire, but Dave, before, uh, um, you know, I think a lot of my colleagues um, who do, do, do not have a specific interest in sleep, do not really know about this. I was very fortunate enough when I started out in practice to be in a, a practice with uh, Dr. Christian Geldenes. And um, Ian wrote a book called Sleep Smart. And, uh, you know, it, this is going back eight, 15, 16 years ago. And I was fortunate enough to... Um, Help him with some of the research that he did, and I read the book. And there, I uh, back then, I learned about sleep. But I didn't learn about sleep when I was at med school. And you know what? You're as a dentist. Uh, you have been practicing for a long time before you really started noticing that. Uh, People are not sleeping well and that that has uh, an uh, impact on their lives. Um, yes. I'd like to add to that that I think we've also adopted a culture of I'll sleep when I'm dead. So people have kind of normalized this thing of like you need to work hard, you need to keep on pushing, grinding. And if you do ever dedicate some time to sleep, it's kind of it's it's a bit taboo. Yeah. So I think that's also part of the issue why people yeah. don't realize that they're not actually getting enough sleep because they're not... They're not actually allowing themselves to. Yeah, even I, I sleep. think I, f- I I think in the last couple of years we've created a buzz around sleep, but the, the buzz around sleep is you need to get eight to ten hours of sleep or six to eight hours of sleep, but that does not mean that you're getting quality of sleep. Dave. Well, so true. and and this for me is 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 one of the most pertinent questions. So uh, I think I have a sleep problem. I'm not waking up refreshed in the morning. Uh, um, someone tells me that I'm snoring. So I go online or I speak to my GP and you know what, there's the Epworth, I got this right this time, yes. the Epworth sleep questionnaire. Um, and you know what, that questionnaire is going to give me something. When I filled it in, uh, for me it was quite confusing. Um, and I'm so happy that you said that you sit with your patient and you, you create a scenario um, that is much more understandable uh, for the patient so that they can actually answer this question correctly. I, I, Sampir, I don't know if you do this. If I want to have an answer of, oh, my sleep is so bad, uh, you know what, I'm going to answer this question in a way that is going to give me a bad one. It's not always objectively. So, we start with a questionnaire. It's online. It's called Epworth Sleep Scale. But Dave, where do we move on from there? Because that is only going to speak to, if I'm not mistaken, and remember Elise said it, it speaks to more of how we're going to treat the sleep problem, the Epworth sleep scale, but it doesn't give us this definitive diagnosis of, oh, you've got snoring, you've got apnea, you've got anything like that. So let's move on to those. Um, I have a sleep problem. Where do I go? Let's start. Where do we go? Well, you know, in, a, in the States where I learned all about this, uh, there are sleep doctors, physicians. In South Africa, we have one or two. Yeah, I just wanted to say to you, I think uh, I, I, I know about two. Yeah, you and two. someone else in Pretoria. Well, there's somebody else in Johannesburg as well uh, who's medically. But the problem is, where do they go for proper treatment? 
Well, I, I don't really, I, I, I want to take a step back. Uh, where do they go for a proper diagnosis? Well, you see, this Epworth sleep scale is an indication. You can't say, oh, well, I, I, I'm this or that. You know, it has to be done by a professional. And the scales goes up, so you answer three. If you're above ten, ten and above, then it means you need help. If you're below ten, it means that you're snoring and you still need help. So the problem is, where do you go? Now, I'm not blowing my own trumpet, but there are many dentists who have latched on to me and think that, hey, this is an easy way to make money. It's not. But they don't go into it because they are playing with the patient's lives. Because if they've got sleep apnea and they're treating them incorrectly with an oral appliance... That's not fair. Well, you know what, Dave? I actually want to make that um, a little bit more general. Uh, Medicine and dentistry uh, is part of a medical fraternity. You know what? You guys study the same degree as us to a point. Our our, um, pre-graduation curriculum, anatomy, physiology, pharmacology, it's all the same. And then you guys branch off into teeth and we branch off into surgeries and all those kind of things. But you know what? Our foundation is the same. But it's not only dentists that are treating patients uh, incorrectly or to the best of their ability but still not Adequately, You know what? It happens. Uh, all of us have a niche. The problem is that the niche for sleep, which should be vast, is incredibly small. And um, you know what? I, I, as I said to you, I'm going to ask you a couple of very difficult questions because I don't think you have answers for them. Uh, and that is, here I am in... Small little, uh, let's make it Lady Brunt. Last night I had uh, a message from a lady in Lady Brunt um, asking where she can get more information about hormones. Okay, so I'm sitting in Lady Brunt. We have a GP on in 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 town, um, and. I have to say this, I love GPs in small little towns because they really are the cornerstone of a community. They have to be able to do everything, diagnose everything. But there's not a lot of those old old GPs around anymore. And there's a lot of people that do not want to go to Lady Brunt to go and practice. So here is um, Meneer van der Merwe. He is 54 years old. He weighs 100 kilograms. Um, Mrs. van der Merwe um, hits him with her uh, rolling pin every night um, and she's taken some um, cotton reels and put it onto his back of his nightdress uh, so that he doesn't sleep on his back because she can't sleep next to him. He's overweight. He is a diabetic. He's got swollen legs. Uh, they haven't had sex for a while. Uh, and you know what? Uh, there's no cats, the birds or anything on the yard because he snores them away. So uh, what, what, how does, where does Mr. Fundamarva go? Well, the first thing, uh, we have that. In fact, I've got tomorrow morning my first patients from Cape Town because there's no one who can really do it in Cape Town. So this lady's flying down for treatment. And then next week I've got some people from I don't know where, some place. So you can't rely on your local doctor, unfortunately. Because if you're going to go to him and say, hey, I'm not sleeping, I've got insomnia. He's going to put you onto a sleeping tablet. So he's treating the symptom, but not what's causing it. Okay, so let's let's do this. Let's try and make it easy for the listeners. You think you have a sleep problem, okay? Our first port of call always would or should be your doctor. Your doctor, your dentist. Um, 
A, I'm snoring. Second port of call, and I think it's fast changing for the majority of people, is Google. Go and look for the Epworth sleep questionnaire. What we will do is um, Dr. Cotton has his own modified questionnaire. It will be available on on all our platforms, and we will create a link um, for Dr. Cotton um, to his site where we can uh, access this questionnaire. Uh, so, Dante, Matt, um, please, can we focus on this? Let's get that questionnaire onto our platforms. Okay, then from there, GP says to you, okay, fine, you don't sleep. Um, we can't do a, a sleep test for you here. What is the option? Okay, so now, even for the general public in, in the city, there are sleep clinics where they do overnight polysomnographs. Okay, so explain to us that right. what that is. Uh, but the thing is this, that if you are going just for snoring, the polysomnograph done in the clinic is far too detailed. You have to go and go to their, uh, to their little room where the machine is. Uh, they put electrodes all over you and, uh, it's uncomfortable. You're sleeping on a hospital bed. Well, you know what? Exactly. That for me, Sampiri, do you think you're going to get a good night's sleep with an accurate result? I don't think so. I think you'd be very uncomfortable. So, so doesn't that also alter how you sleep when you're uncomfortable? Well, you see, the thing is that uh, I found this out many, many years ago. And they have got, in my view, one idea, a CPAP machine. Yes, they want to sell you a device that makes, turns you into Darth Vader, and which 90% of the time... Um, through feedback that I get from patients, Dave, and I think yours might even be higher, doesn't work. Patients can't keep this thing on their faces. Well, talking about that, um, you know, I only quote American figures, and the American uh, Association of Dental Sleep Medicine brought out an article saying between 30 and 50% of people cannot wear a CPAP machine. Now, if you are... Why? Because it's, it's to get used to it is it's not very easy. Difficult, yeah. And the the mask leaks, so you tighten. Especially the mask. for guys with facial hair. Well, the mask leaks, so you got the air coming up into your eyes, dry eyes, dry, and it dries your throat, even with a humidifier, and it doesn't fit correctly. So you tighten the straps. So then it's sore in the morning and you've got a permanent red mark above your nose. Sure. So people... Very sexy. You know, it, it, it's the gold standard of treating sleep apnea. But... But then you have to have proper apnea, Dave. Do yes, you agree? Absolutely. But what they've found now, the latest stuff, is that... They take their mask off after three, four hours. It's not sufficient treatment. That's not sufficient. You're not getting enough oxygen to build you up for the next day. Okay? They found that an oral appliance is just as good as that CPAP machine. Why? Because the oral appliance is far more comfortable, and you've got a picture of it. That's just one. Oh, guys, uh, yes, we'll discuss that. I'm going to explain to you what it looks like. I'm, 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 uh, I, this is very, uh, <laughs> you know where I'm going. You, you know what? I, I don't often put stuff in my mouth. But, um, Dave, this one, I will give you a chance. Okay. So, um, and, and, you know, it would be definitely something that I'm going to, to do. So, and well, Stefan will also get one. I, I wear one because I've got hypopnea. In other words, I breathe like 50% of what I should do. So if I don't wear my night guard, uh, then the next day, comes the afternoon, I can't function properly. Yeah. So, 
going back to the polysomnograph in a sleep clinic, um, it's uncomfortable and some people come back and say oh, they couldn't sleep. Mm. So the reading is not correct. I don't say in every case. In the majority of cases, there's I a, think. There's a, there's a possibility. Let's be safe. Let's, uh, so I have got my own technician who doesn't only work for me, and he's a BSc in physiology, in, in, and he's very, very bright and very nice. So he comes to the house. Your house. Wherever you are. Yes. Or you meet him. If it's too far away, he won't travel to Krugersdorp for argument's sake. And I get patients from there. So he, he'll meet you halfway. It's simple. All you do is you put an oxometer on your... Most of us ha- now have him at home. Yes. And he puts a, a, a something around your forearm, a belt, and nasal, ca- nasal cal- cannula. So all of this can be given to you and you can go home and you can have your normal sleep in your own Um. bed with your own pillow. And when it says a polysomnograph, does the poly stand for I have to do it more than one night or is it poly stand for we measure different things in one night we measure different things it doesn't so what is it that we measure we, it doesn't measure and it doesn't do an eeg well That's you know what we we we're not looking for brain patterns exactly. right now exactly. we're looking for oxygen levels am i correct absolutely so that's why i do not send to a clinic because of the fact that they're doing tests there which that's aren't true. relevant so, what does the polysomnograph do at home? It measures your AHI, your apnea hypopnea index. So, this is the time that you're not breathing versus the time that you're breathing too little, yes. and it creates a ratio between the two. So, what it does, it measures how many times you stop breathing per hour. Now, we'll what does classify as stopping breathing? Longer than 10 seconds? Ten sec- uh, 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 an apnea is if you stop breathing for 10 seconds or more per hour But you have multiple apneas if you are diseased Inverted commas mm, mm. Uh, You have multiple uh, I'll quote my brother He fought with me That he used to fall asleep talking to you I said go for a police No, 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 no when he went to the cardiologist and the cardiologist said, Mr. Cotton, did you have ever have a sleep test? No, I've never. He made an, I said, no, you'll go. My technician, his name is Bax, uh, will do it for you. And we found that he stops breathing 84.4 times an hour for 13 seconds or longer, each one. That's a lot of... Lack of oxygen when you start working it out over a night of five, Actually, six hours. you know what? I think um, that is almost like putting uh, a wet bag over someone's face and ask them to breathe through this wet bag. Um, I, I, for instance, had um, a pulmonary embolus which created a little bit of lung mm. damage. Ask any person that has emphysema or COPD um, to put just their normal face masks that we have to walk around with on their faces and ask them how quickly uh, they get headache, how quickly they become short of breath. And the moment that I put my face mask on, I have to breathe through my mouth. And you can literally see that instead of just breathing, Breathing with my stomach, I start breathing with my shoulders. So, and, and you know what? That's not even having apnea. This is actively having to think about breathing. So, think about what that does to your sleep. Sleep is something that happens, uh, breathing is something that happens not inside of our brains. It's an autonomic reaction, it involves your spine. Um, the moment that oxygen levels drop, you have to b- bring the brain in to create an active 
active physical movement of opening the chest by opening the arms, uh, expanding the chest cavity, lowering the diaphragm, breathing in through the stomach. It becomes an active thing. One of the things that we spoke about last week was that in sleep, you know, it, there's that time of anesthesia where the body doesn't move. And if you don't breathe, you don't go through this, what we will call normal sleep architecture of going through the anesthetic part before you go into limb movement. And this is what's so important. So this is such a fascinating thing. Okay, so it's something that gets done at home. There's yeah. no blood tests involved, so no needles, no poking, no prodding. Um, it is something that we can get done rurally. But Dave, now the question comes in. I've had my polysomnograph. Who is supposed to be looking at this? Well, let's go back for just one thing before. Um, well, two things, actually. Uh, the polysomnograph at home will give you your apnea readings. It'll give you your SpO2, your oxygen levels. Yeah. It'll give you how many times you stop breathing. And it'll give you a possible central, um, if it's central, your apnea. So it will give you a lot of detail which you require for that sleep test. Okay. Not, as I said, Which EEG. is relevant to yes. how we're going to Absolutely. treat you. Absolutely. It'll give you how many arousals you've had during the night. Uh, that's not not those arousals. That's actually waking waking up. up yeah. Oh, okay. Not Thank that thing care. waking up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm getting off the subject. <laughs> anyway, um, so there, according to that, we can also form a formulate a treatment plan. Okay. According to your AHI readings and things okay. and your oxygen levels. Now, needles definitely not. But so that no person yeah. in Ladybrand might have to go to the nearest town. She might have to go to Bloemfontein. Stay at a hotel for a night. I've got one right now who's staying at a B&B in, in, in Rosebank to be tested. They come from Lichtenberg or okay. Leidenberg. I can't remember. That's where I grew up, in that area oh, of the world. Good. <laughs> so... They uh, they booked into uh, it's the gentleman and they've booked into a, a B and B in Rosebank to have an overnight polysomnograph. But as you said, you sleep in your own bed. You want to go to the toilet. You don't have to unplug all these millions of things, things around you. You get up. You go to the toilet. So you switch the machine on when you go to sleep or just before, and then in the morning when you wake up, you switch it off. It's a little box. Bax will come and collect it from you or meet you somewhere. And uh, in 48 hours, we have a complete result. Okay. And then treatment can be planned. Absolutely. So, you know what? Firstly, what we need to realize is if we have a sleep problem, uh, you know what? Let's identify it. Speak to your sleeping partner. Record yourself if there's snoring. Use Snore Lab, the app. On the phone. Ah. Snore lab. It's the closest thing to a scientific graph. Okay. So snore, snore lab. lab. So on that, a lot of people sleep with these smart little Fitbit watches and is any, <laughs> I wish you could see Dave's face. Uh, you know, it, it was, oh God, so much dismay. Um, I also don't believe in them. Uh, they're going to tell you your heart rate. Now, these things tell you uh, how much sleep you got. Are they accurate, Dave? Yes. So we can use a Fitbit as, uh, you know, not as a diagnostic device, but as an indicative tool. You can definitely use it, but uh, I wouldn't rely on it. Would you do that? But it it can be a screening test. Yeah, it can. And okay. As well as that Snore Lab. So Snore Lab, your Fitbit, your smartwatch can be used as a possible screening test that would indicate, okay, fine, you know what, maybe I should go for a formalized one. Okay, so now I now I know that I have a snore problem. 
we know that, you know what, sometimes we need devices. But let's talk about uh, Mrs. Van der Merwe, who's in the old age home in Lady Brunt. Medical aid is non-existent, so she's in Mr. Van der Merwe there that's still keeping her awake after 40 years they don't have a medical aid what is it that they can do at home to try and improve so you know what lifestyle changes that can be made well i think the first thing they can do there's not much you can do the first thing you have to do is you have to if you're obese you have to lose weight Now, this is a touchy subject, and when the patient comes in and he's overweight, I say to them, listen, you've come to me for a reason, to help you. I don't pull punches. I work out their BMI, which is an indication. I'm not completely convinced about BMIs, but it's an indication. And they want figures. So a BMI is your weight? Body mass index. Yes, but for someone who wants to go and work it out, God. There, is a, uh, there are formulas on So Google. BMI is weight divided by your height squared. Something like that, yeah. So for those who just wrote math, do it for your parents. <laughs> if you can't do it, uh, ask to go back to grade six. <laughs> Well, I've got a chart, so it's easy. And you can get the charts uh, you can online. Online, you can get charts online. And uh, so that's the first thing they have to do. They have to lose weight. Okay. There's nothing much else you can do. Positional sleeping? Would that help? If you supine, in other words, on your back, everything in your throat where the obstruction is, because there's obstructive apnea and obstructive snoring, Yes. Well, apnea comes as a central as well. Well, we won't talk about that, but we'll talk about the common one, which is the obstruction in the throat. So if you're supine, lying on your back, then everything falls back. And if you're overweight, everything pushes pushes up. So you have something that falls back and pushes up. Nice blockage. So therefore, sleeping on your side will help to a degree. Then they say to me, well... You know, if I do this, I still snore. I said, but if you're sitting in front of the television in you a chair, you can also snore. You're snoring. Yeah. It doesn't matter any position that you lie in. Once your muscles in your throat are relaxed and your tongue is relaxed, you will snore. But lying supine on your back increases that. Okay. So but maybe a body pillow next to you to to keep you from rolling over. You know what? Uh, in the old days, old, you mentioned... Yes, uh, you know... Uh, uh, they sew tennis some, balls. T- well, ten- I, I want to go for the tennis <laughs> ball. I want something that's a little bit harder. My granny apparently took uh, the cotton reels, the old wooden ones. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it sewed it... Yes, it was an old thing. You yeah. sewed the cotton reel onto the nightshirt. Or, or, as I said, the tennis ball. <laughs> so, okay... Um, so we know that weight plays a role in if we bring that down. Um, how about getting patients? Let's, let's quickly finish snoring. Let's quickly finish snoring in apnea. So someone comes to the GP now and they complain um, that they're not sleeping well. Uh, most GPs that uh, we've encountered, and I think this is a problem, uh, would go, okay, fine, let's give you um, a sleep aid. And the sleep aids can be something that is medication. And medication can be what we call OTC or over-the-counter medication. So Somnol, I think, um, is an OTC medication uh, or rescue drops or something like that. Now, the new kit on the block here is CBD. Um, you know, your cannabinoids that that helps for sleep, but you know, but that is when we have a sleep disturbance, not necessarily. 
disturbed, uh, sleep disturbed breathing. There's a very big difference. And I think if you do not understand the difference between the two, you can actually make the condition worse. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, I know for a fact that you are not a supporter of sleep medication, your sedatives, your anxiolytics, um, and your antihistamines, because all of those could create a further laxicity and relaxation in the structures that are causing your disturbed breathing. Yeah. What else is there that we can maybe offer these patients? And we spoke about things like melatonin. We spoke about magnesium. Is there anything other than a physical device that could help? Well, I mentioned being obese. The other thing is alcohol. People take alcohol. They have a couple of drinks before they go to bed because it's going to make them sleep. No, it's going to make you snore. Sleeping pills, as we mentioned, uh, antihistamine, antidepressants, they're all muscle relaxants. So they're going to create a problem in your throat because your throat is full of muscles mm. and your tongue and your palate. So those are taboo. For me in Superior, I know you're a party girl. Um, I know that if I, if, if I have a couple of drinks and it's my niece's 21st birthday on Saturday, uh, so it will be a couple of bottles of drinks. Um, you know, I know that I, I, I will have not snore. I, my sleep is incredibly bad. Um, broken, most probably because of the snoring. Mm. But it's it's as if I'm a, people pass out from alcohol. I again cannot fall asleep because I I think I can't breathe. So the no nos, alcohol, stay away. So David, do you want to? Uh, this is uh, I think you're trying to avoid it, but I'm going to ask you a direct question. Give us your opinion on. Proper CBD medication for sleep in, from a sleep, sleep disturbed breathing perspective. Unfortunately, there's no work that I've found that has been done on CBD and sleep and snoring. I've never so seen. So, not it. on sleep apnea and not on sleep I've snoring. I've never seen an article. So, if you snore or if you have apnea and you complain about sleep, um, the CBD is not necessarily going to help for you. No. But I do believe that, and I want to ask your opinion on this, so many of our patients that are, sit with one of those two conditions have so much anxiety um, around sleep that they do take that. It actually then treats, CBD treats the anxiety. It's a great anxiolytic, but it's not necessarily going to treat the sleep. Am I correct? Well, you know, in my opinion, um, they take it to relax And if you're relaxing It's going to work like your alcohol Or your uh, antihistamine It's going to relax the muscles Because that's the way you're going to improve your sleep okay. It's going to re And it's going to In my opinion It's going to affect you the same way as those those things Okay So And sorry can I just mention yes. something Melatonin Yes. Now, melatonin will help you fall asleep, but it won't make you sleep the rest of the night because you're feeling your brain into secreting uh, melatonin. melatonin. And, you know, but this is, we come to sleep hygiene, something that for me is uh, incredibly important. So, sleep hygiene is like your face routine. Am I right? Yeah. Um, and there's certain things that is good for us to do and will help us promote healthy sleep. And there's things that's unhealthy to do. So unhealthy would be alcohol, for instance. But, uh, Dave, before we talk about uh, your room, because um, we've touched on this. Let's just talk about the sleep routine. And I, I think this is in my practice something that uh, I introduce my patients to. Most of us, when we wake up in the morning, do exactly the same thing. Am I correct? 
you stand up, you go to the bathroom, you go and put the kettle on, you have your coffee, you go shower, blah, blah, blah. But most mornings, whether it's on holiday, whether that process takes two hours, or whether it's Monday morning, I have half an hour to get to work, the routine stays the same. Okay. When it comes to sleep... We need to do exactly the same Absolutely. And whether it's 4 o'clock After Shanette's 21st birthday party Or whether it's 8 o'clock On a cold stormy winter's night um, And I'm getting ready to bed That routine should always be the same In my case It is I get up from my desk If I've been working Which is most nights And I go and make tea and the tea that I make is just hot water with lemon and honey. Um, and Stefan gets his tea in bed because by that time he's in bed. And now I go and find the cat, which is uh, imaginary. Um, and uh, the cat gets thrown out so that she can go and do what she needs to do. Then I go and get into my shower. I shower. I get out of a shower. I floss my teeth. If this is part of my routine. Is that if there's a dentist? I have to say that. <laughs> so, uh, impressive. Uh, impressive. Uh, I, I, If I don't floss my teeth, I find that my routine's broken. Um, So I floss my teeth. I go and find the cat. I take my tablets with my tea that's now cold. And then I get into bed. Um, I watch a little bit of TV. It's always David Attenborough. Um, And then I switch the TV off. And in my bedroom, I have a salt lamp, which gives us a nice red glow. And I open my Harry Potter book. I'm now on book two. Uh, I still haven't reached the third uh, chapter, and I've been reading it for a month, and I fall asleep immediately. Within, so that is my sleep routine, and it stays the same all the time. So a sleep routine is important. Dave, tell us about what we should have in the room and what shouldn't be in the room. Well, the first thing I was going to talk about is you've spoken about sleep routine. This is very important. Um, now, there's some articles which turn around and say, uh, have warm milk before you go to bed. If it works for you. Have a warm bath. So wait, uh- a person like me who doesn't have a sleep routine at this moment in time, how do I get into creating a healthy sleep routine? You have to do it yourself. Okay. It's on your head. And you know what? It's that. It's creating that routine. It's difficult. It okay. takes time. It takes uh, two weeks minimum doing it every single day. Every single day. And if you get through that first two weeks, now it becomes something that becomes habitual. Um, but it takes time. Dave, the room itself, dark. Yeah. Now, you have to have no light in the room. Uh, well, like you like a red light. So if that's, that's you, just for me to read. Okay, fine. Uh, your TV. Don't watch any violent programs because you will think about it if you got it in bed. Absolutely. Uh, your phone should be off and away. Definitely not next to your bedside. Most definitely uh, not. If, you, if you're going to keep your phone in your room, you know what? Keep it on, uh, not on your nightstand, but on the dresser. Unless you are using sleep a snore lab a okay. snore lab, snore lab. you switch it on and you put it next to your bed and it records for the night okay, but then you only do that once and you get a shock if you're a snorer snore lab very very simple little thing but very effective okay no notebooks next to your bed and a pen why because i'm lying in bed i'm a businessman and I'm falling asleep. Oh, I have to go and see X, Y, Z tomorrow at 10 o'clock. I mustn't forget. Lights on, right down, 10 o'clock appointment. You immediately broke sleep architecture. Everything is broken. Mm. And a lot of it is common sense. Common sense. And these people who wake up after an hour or two and can't fall asleep, their minds are buzzing. What do they do? What should we do? They sleep disturbed breathing. 
Yes, but what should we do? Should we get up out of bed? You get up out of bed, go sit in a nice chair, take your Harry Potter book and read a little bit. Absolutely. I, I actually tell my patients, go do your hobby. Um, you know what? Because immediately it will start relaxing and take that anxiety away. And for me, you know what? Um, I think a brilliant hobby is to bake muffins. You take an inner parmen muffin thingy, you break an egg into it, uh, you know it, and you're done. But you know what? I'm not concentrating on I have to sleep, I have to sleep, I have to sleep. Dave, we're fast running out of time. Um, You know what? It's been fascinating to talk to you. Um, You are at the Snore Clinic in Rosebank. um, And... Um, you, you have the technician and if we contact you, um, you know what, you will put us in contact with them. So, um, Dr. Dave Cotton from the Snore Clinic, we will put all your details onto all our platforms. These podcasts will be available. So if you are someone that snore, If you wake up and you feel unrested, if you have excessive daytime sleepiness, sleep and sleep problems might just be one of the causes thereof. It's pervasive in our society, as Dr. Dave Cotton uh, showed us, one billion people currently on earth uh, is estimated to have sleep disturbances. Contact us at the Tea Clinic. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. And the number at the office, 010-824-1393. We have two episodes left, Simpiwe, you and me, for the, for the year. I think next week we might actually delve into ejaculations. Ooh. So Sister Elise's ears are already pricking up. <laughs> So um, we will we will talk about ejaculation because the topics that we spoke about today um, can prevent you from having one. Absolutely. So again, if you want to know anything about sleep, contact us, and we'll put you in contact with Dr. Dave Cotton. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. It's a fascinating topic, and we'll bring you back because we still haven't spoken about your device. And um, guys, this is something that's very very comfortable looking um it doesn't even look like the the mouth guard that you see rasi erasmus now has to wear so um we'll we'll put you in contact with the relevant people and we can get you to get a sleep test done have a wonderful wonderful week everyone stay safe The Tea Health Show, medical lifestyle show.